Are the Washington Nationals out of it before the season even starts? I'll discuss next on this edition of the Talk Nats podcast. Hello and welcome in to this edition of the Talk Nats podcast, simulcast on the Believe in Nationals podcast feed, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I'm so glad you decided to join me today. As always, this podcast is free and available on all the major platforms. My name is Dan Holmey. You can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at TalkNats. Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting contests and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or on your mobile device. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team and remember to use promo code BELIEVE. That's promo code B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, the game starts here. In today's episode of the Talk Nats podcast, we talk about why did Mike Rizzo make the promise to Nationals fans, season ticket holders, everyone that invests money into the team and watching the team, and then not live up to his promise of signing that top-tier upper echelon starting pitcher, We'll talk about that in the show. We'll talk about what the starting rotation looks like for the Nationals, as is at right now. A little bit later, we will talk about the bullpen and uh, who's going to be in and who's going to be out. And is there enough talent uh, in the Nationals bullpen? And then a little bit later after that, we will talk around the diamond about positions of need. And to close out the show, we'll talk about Strasburg uh, and what the plans are for Steven. But just to get it going here, One of the promises that Mike Rizzo made to the fans, the season ticket holders, was that he was going to seek out a top-tier veteran starting pitcher, kind of a pitcher to mentor the young pitching staff. Why didn't he do it? He made promises, and it almost appears that Rizzo and the learners They're already not in it. They're not vested in the overall success of this team. Listen, we know that we have a lot of future talent. We have James Wood. We have Dylan Cruz, uh, upper echelon players that are going to far surpass some of the top tier talent on the team right now. Listen, Nationals fans, a lot of us think that C.J. Abrams and Kbert Ruiz were the pick of the litter when it came to the trades a couple years ago. But there was a greater return. And James Wood and Dylan Cruz and, you know, you could say Brady House to a certain extent than some of those other players. Um, But so they're vested in the future. So is this season a wash? Are we already talking about another wasted season? Mike Rizzo says, I just couldn't find that starting pitcher that was going to impact us at this time for not only the right amount of years, but the right salary at this time. Mike Rizzo's explanation on not signing a starter that he had said early in the offseason was on his priority list. So what is with the about face? What is about the change with Mike Rizzo? Was there a change of heart from him? Was there a change of heart from the learners? Uh, Listen, we know that there is a sale in place for the Orioles. Um, Is it the, the speculation that 
perhaps they don't want to invest a lot of money into someone if they're going to sell the team. But with that said, why did they give Rizzo, why did they give Davey Martinez a new contract? The team fell well short of the playoffs with only 71 wins. And, you know, there's the bet makers. There are the insiders that are already panning this Nationals team to be one of the worst, if not the worst, in Major League Baseball. Both Rizzo and manager Davey Martinez returned this year with multi-year contract extensions they received last year. If the learners planned on selling the team, then why did they put Rizzo back in? Why did they put Davey Martinez back in there? And what's behind all of that? Listen, I like the job that Davey Martinez has done for this team, and some of the stuff that Mike Rizzo has done is questionable, but also understanding that there's a lot more than that than meets the eye. Is it the learners? Are they kind of, you know, closing down the bank account saying you're not going to spend that much? Uh, Maybe it was the learners not opening the piggy bank or backing up the Brinks truck to said uh, start top top tier starting pitcher. You know, I think that they had their eyes on some starting pitchers, but there was just it wasn't going to fall under the Nationals' budget, or they didn't want to move a piece to bring an upper echelon pitcher in here. The Nationals' payroll is 111 million dollars uh, from 101 million on last year's opening day. So uh, they're not really spending a lot of money. You know, you take a look at the moves that they made in the offseason. Nothing really garners the response of, "Oh wow." They're back in it. The Nationals are serious now. Um, And that's what I was hoping for. You know, I do think that they will take steps. Do I think that this is going to be the year for Dylan Cruz? Do I think this is going to be the season for James Wood? Uh, You know, I'd kind of like it to be, but we haven't seen a large enough sample size in the minors for those players. Listen, Dylan Cruz killed it. Uh, In the minors last season, will that translate to Major League Baseball? While the door is most likely closed on an expensive starter, it doesn't mean the team won't sign a starter on a minor league deal to compete in camp. Uh, This piece here in TalkNats.com. It is possible that I think that, you know, if they kind of stick to the script of what they've done thus far, is they'll probably do something that's kind of under the radar, Uh, a move that's like, oh, great, that's a lot better, kind of like the Gallo or the Senzel thing, where you understand why they did it, but you're kind of scratching your head on if it was an improvement. The team missed the postseason for the fourth consecutive season after winning the World Series in 2019. It's an interesting move for the Nationals, kind of similar to the Capitals, is they won the top prize. The Capitals won it in 2018, the Nationals in 2019, and both teams have really slid after those years. It seems like both teams were really all in on a certain lineup, and the Nationals beat the Capitals to the punch about doing a rebuild. Um, And has the rebuild for the Nationals gone according to plan? I guess, you know, it's too early to say, you know, once I see Dylan Cruz on the big team, once I see James Wood and Brady House and these upper guys that the Nationals got in a trade uh, for, you know, Juan Soto and Trey Turner and Max Scherzer, then we'll know for sure uh, if it's living up to expectation. The team has not lived up uh, to the fans' expectations, and I really don't think that it has. And one of the things about running a, a successful ball club 
is having butts in seat. And, and what does that mean? Buying the overly expensive tickets. That means buying the overly expensive beer and hot dogs and merchandise. And you're not going to have those fans that, let's face it, the economy is pretty tight right now, wanting to go to Nationals Park to see a team that is, you know, already kind of speculated to be one of the worst in Major League Baseball. That is a stink in the air that the fans smell. They smell it. You got to put some Vaseline under your nose not to smell it, that this Nationals team is not going to be the fleetest afoot, one of the greatest teams in Major League Baseball. We fully expected general manager Mike Rizzo to sign a frontline starting pitcher, which was a goal that he set for the team, too. He kind of made promises, and I think that he did that to, to move some ticket sales, you know, for the, the, you know, the fans that come every night, the season ticket holders, the ones, you know, that take their kids out of school and go to Nationals Park to watch a game. And it's not even that. It's the fans at home that spend their hard-earned money. Listen, I watch a line, share the games on MLB.tv. Um, so it's the people. People that are not only investing their money to go to the games, but it's the people that are investing their money to watch it in different avenues and just investing your time, period. We had also hoped uh, for the second consecutive year that the team would extend shortstop C.J. Abrams' contract for the next eight to ten years, and that has not happened yet either, writes TalkNats.com. All things that, you know, should have gotten taken care of. I mean, I don't think that there's any real question that C.J. Abrams is going to be the shortstop for the future and the present for the Nationals. Get it done. Uh, you know, kind of the discouraging thing, and I've alluded to this in this show, is about how some people are already panning this team. Pakoda uh, has the Nats finishing with a 58 and 104 record. To be clear here, that is 58 wins and 104 losses. Um, that is not the thing that gives me the warm, fuzzy feeling when I'm talking about baseball, this Nationals team that won a World Series in 2019. What a fall from grace. Uh, so let's take a look at the starting rotation. As of today, this is how we expect the rotation to look. Josiah Gray, Mackenzie Gore, Jake Irvin, Patrick Corbin, and Trevor Williams. Uh, so let's go over those players a little bit more in depth. Josiah Gray, I think that he is a big piece of the present and the future for the Nationals. He's worked on developing new pitches or fine-tuning some of the pitches that he has. He's constantly working on his game. Mackenzie Gore, Love his game. Kind of overthinks things a little bit, but I like his game. Jake Irvin has shown flashes of greatness. There were points last season that I think Jake Irvin exceeded my expectations of what kind of pitcher I thought he was going to be. Patrick Corbin, uh, you never know what Patrick Corbin you're going to get. Uh, all things considered, I think that Patrick Corbin, if I'm going to generalize, uh, was a bust. And Trevor Williams, let's be honest, um, nothing really doing there. I'm not too excited about that. So there are some outliers as well with Jackson Rutledge and at DJ Hers as well. We saw Jackson Rutledge later in the season, and there were some good starts. There were some bad starts, but ultimately not going to be the guy that's going to take them over the top. So let's take a look around the diamond at positions of need and positions currently being filled for the Washington Nationals. I think that a good chunk of the positions have been spoke for, but there are still some things up in the air. 
And the starting lineup will be largely dependent on Stone Garrett's health after his leg injury in August. Newcomer Jesse Winker seems like the one uh, who could grab a spot on the opening day roster as well. And that's one of the things to consider about Stone Garrett. I was very impressed with his game. I thought that he played better than anyone had expected him to play. So I would not write him off, but I still think that it is a wait-and-see approach. Uh, from what I've heard at at camp already, that position players don't need to show up yet, but they are there right now putting in the work. And Stone Garrett is one of those players but let's take a look around and see what positions are being filled we'll take a look at shortstop with cj abrams i don't think he needs to worry about that i think he's got that on a lock for for as long as he is playing consistent and he improved his game over last season I think there were some gaffes, uh, defensively speaking, but I do see uh, C.J. Abrams being the shortstop of the present and the future. Take a look in right field, Lane Thomas. Again, he was a, a pleasant surprise when he came to this team. He has some good pop in his bat. I like his defensive game. There are some questions about the future, being that there is James Wood. There's Dylan Cruz in the pipeline where he fits in. I'm not going to write Lane Thomas off, even though I know what is coming. I know that there are some really big-name players coming that have a ton of talent, uh, ostensibly. But I still think that Lane Thomas can be kind of that holdover or that stopgap. And I think that he may even have a spot on this team after some of those guys get here, depending on how they perform. Uh, taking a look in left field, Joey Gallo. I think you could also pencil in potentially Stone Garrett, depending on what condition that he's in. First base, Joey Manessis. Again, uh, I don't know if that is the long-term solution at first base. I think that he can do it uh, uh, you know, sometimes I wouldn't want Joey Manessas to be the everyday starter at first base. Another guy that has some pop in his bat, but it seems that he does better uh, when he is the DH. Taking a look at DH Stone Garrett or Jesse Winker. Uh, catcher, Kbert Ruiz, of course, Adams as well. You can put in that mix depending on what condition Adams is in. Third base, Nick Senzel. And let's be honest here, I do think that Carter Keeboom is going to try to make a push to, to solidify a spot on the Nationals, if not uh, a starter at third base, which I understand is a long shot, then maybe off the bench. Maybe he will have to settle for that. Um, I've always kind of dubbed, uh, uh, if we take a look at it, uh, Carter Keeboom as the Carter Keeboom experiment. And I always say that because we never know what we're going to get from Carter Keeboom. He was supposed to be the second coming of Christ at the third base position, but he has never lived up to that. I think that the Nationals have struggled since Rendon was here. And if you want to take a look at the Wayback Machine Zimmerman before that, it would be good to have an everyday third baseman. Uh, listen, I don't think that Nick Senzel is that. I don't think that Carter Keeboom is. I think that Brady House is, and uh, he still is probably going to be a ways out. Taking a look at second base, Luis Garcia. Going to need to see more from him. We saw what happened last season when he was shown some tough love, and he came back and played well. There doesn't appear to be an heir apparent at the second base position, so I think that you know the Nationals uh, can't be beggars uh, when it comes to this. What they say, beggars can't be choosers. I think that Luis Garcia is going to have to be good enough uh, until they find another viable option at that position. 
Taking a look in center field of Victor Robles or Jacob Young. Uh, Victor Robles, again, hot and cold. He was the guy that said last season in the offseason that he put his faith in God and uh, that hopefully God was going to help him. And every time I hear people resort to saying that I, I look to God to help my season, I'm like, and I'm not here to, to say anything disparagingly about religion, but when you start saying I'm asking God about, you know, I hope I can play better uh, baseball, then I, I kind of get worried. I would feel better if you said I was worried about my game, so I put in more time in the batting cage or I put more time in in the gym, something of that nature. But in any event, uh, Victor Robles did show uh, some steps of improvement. Uh, you know, it was unlikely, uh, improbable, not impossible, as he showed some uh, better play. However, what is one of the things that we know about Victor Robles is that he is prone to injury. Talking about Jake Young, I was very impressed. Very impressed with the play. I did not have high hopes for Jacob Young when he got the call up. But uh, towards the end of the season, I think that he is a viable option. Um, and I'm not so sure that I wouldn't go with Jacob Young over Victor Robles. It just depends on which uh, player shows up in camp and which one really kind of pops off the page. Talking about the bullpen. You know, the bullpen has question marks, just like the starting rotation does. The bullpen has what appears to be six locks so far with Tanner Rainey, Kyle Finnegan, and Hunter Harvey at the back of the bullpen, and Jordan Weems is out of options. Taking a look at Hunter Harvey, a great pitcher. What is his bugaboo? He has to stay healthy. That has been one of the things that he's had an issue with. Same goes for Tanner Rainey. Um, and that's one of the things that I, I worry about, about both of those pitchers, is sustainability. Can they play an entire season without suffering some sort of major injury? That's kind of the book on Hunter Harvey, is that he's actually a pretty good pitcher, but he's prone to being injured. Now, if you don't want to go into the weeds here a little bit, you could say that if the starting pitchers did a better job, that they wouldn't have to be so reliant on their bullpen, and that's touche, true. So there is still a lot of questions, I think, that, you know, they're going to have to kind of weed it out. And, you know, maybe Rizzo has something up his sleeve as far as someone he could sign to help solidify it. And taking a look at the bench, the bench has no locks beyond Ildemaro Vargas. The backup catcher could be determined by the health of Riley Adams, who returning from a handmade bone surgery in his hand wrist at the end of the last season. Um, so there's a lot of questions here about who is going to fill in the gaps and help the Nationals be better than they were the season before. Uh, listening to this show, uh, if you were listening off the top of the show, I mentioned that Many people have already panned this team as not being contenders, um, just given the fact that Mike Rizzo did not go out and address what he said he was going to address. And I, I got to say, as a Nationals fan, I'm very disappointed in him that he did not go out and try to make some sort of valiant effort uh, in trying to pick up a top-tier veteran pitcher that would be the anchor of the starting rotation. Very disappointed. You know, there are veterans on the rotation. You want to take a look at Patrick Corbin and Trevor Williams, those are not the kind of guys that are going to be the mentors as, as veterans. They don't even really have their game together. So I still think that there is a lot of work that needs to be done. Taking a look at some footage, it does appear is that Mackenzie Gore and Cade Cavalli are getting in some work. So that's a promising sign. 
two pitchers that are going to be the future of the Nationals starting rotation. We do know that Cade Cavalli suffered an injury and will most likely not be good to go until June or July if memory serves, but it is a promising sign that he is at camp and getting some work in. Uh, So let's hope that, you know, he's ready sooner than later. Uh, Again, it's not going to be before June or July, but let's hope that he is in fact good to go. And somewhat breaking news here as well, Nationals have signed right-handed pitcher Jacob Barnes to a minor league deal. 33-year-old reliever made 265 career appearances with eight major league clubs, including the Cardinals last year. So I'm recording this uh, over the span of a day, so some of this stuff is getting updated. I spoke about the bullpen a little bit earlier in the starting pitching. Uh, It is going to be interesting to see if Jacob Jacob Barnes fits into anything. Again, it's a minor league deal, so I don't want to read too much into it, but there is going to be a lot of players that are vying for positions. Talking about Mackenzie Gore, uh, the young talent for the national starting rotation, is that I think that sometimes he is is he's his own worst enemy. He overthinks things. He is worried about being consistent. And when asked about it, he says some good and some bad. He said, I've really just got to figure out why I was good at times and why I wasn't at others. And I need to fix that this year. And taking a look at Mackenzie Gore, he was on both sides of the spectrum. He p- pitched good at points and not so good at others. Um, but, you know, taking a look at it, perhaps the best statistical evidence of that in his 17 wins and no decisions, Gore's posted a 2.58 ERA and a 1.282 whip in his 10 losses. Those numbers skyrocketed to 0.771 and 1.612, this piece in mass in here. So Again, I think that he is the guy that that dwells and thinks on things a little bit too much. I think that's good in doses, but try not to be too self-critical. I think he has a lot of raw talent, but he said, just trying to figure out how to have less of those big starts where it's like six runs or more, he said, it definitely helps you have confidence that it's in there. It's just, can you do it for 25 starts or whatever it is? And I think that You know, that's one of the things that starting pitchers have to deal with is making that jump uh, into Major League Baseball. It is a step up. Uh, It it is you're playing against the best of the best in baseball. And even though you may have success at lower levels, sometimes it takes work or sometimes you never get there uh, when it comes to Major League Baseball. But talking about consistency, that is one of the things that he needs to work on. And how does he get there? He's, you know, just a 25-year-old guy, and uh, he's just trying to put the work in. He says, more how we are using things, not necessarily how good or bad the pitches are. He said, some pitch shape adjustments to nothing crazy, little things like that. But I'd say the biggest thing was usage, how and where we were using things. One of the other things that was mentioned is his command. Sometimes he lacks command and maybe he doesn't execute the pitches the way they should be. Uh, It's all about, you know, execution, the way you throw it, your delivery, those kind of things. Davey Martinez says it's all about throwing strikes, you know. He says we want these guys to pound the strike zone and get outs early. Um, And, you know, a lot is expected of this young pitching staff. It's not like they're going to be able to mail it in just because it's a young pitching staff. They are hoping for bigger and better things. 
things. Getting ahead in the count also gives pitcher the freedom to open up his repertoire. As opposed to feeling compelled to throw fastballs, Gore spent his offseason working directly with Kaber Ruiz. The two both now live in South Florida, and the two are starting to get the same page more when it comes to pitch selection, a critical component of the pitcher-catcher relationship. Listen, I want to thank you for joining me on this edition of the Talk Nats podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network, and I'll talk to you again next time.